Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC Sports. I'm Justin Cochiola alongside Tim Hurth. It's Wednesday, September 9th, and it is officially opening week for ACC football. Seven games starting Thursday, six on Saturday. We're going to break them down, tell you what to watch for. We're going to make some picks. We're going to be doing some lines. We can also hit on some Hokies news as we are still just over a week away from kickoff and Fuente isn't letting anything slip through that death grip that he's got on anything related to team health. But first, Tim, what's going on? You know, Justin, I've been better. Um, you know, I, I've kind of been solemn all week. As you know, last week, Taco Bell announced they were getting rid of the Mexican pizza um, in an effort to make their drive through lines more efficient. And I got to tell you, um, that one hurt. I've been eating Mexican pizza since I was four years old. Um, you know, it's a staple it's not something I get often because you shouldn't eat Taco Bell too terribly often if you want to live a long, healthy life. But often enough, Taco Bell, one of the top, I'd say, top two fast food establishments in my rankings, they're dropping fast, though. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get past a Taco Bell without a Mexican pizza. Yeah, I feel like the Mexican pizza is one of those things where, you know, there's all this outrage when it goes away, but if you stop and ask everybody who's like super mad about it, they haven't ordered it in 10 years. Yeah, th- that that could be the case. But with me, it was the only thing I ordered every single time I went to Taco Bell, which is one of the things I love about Taco Bell. You know, you order two or three, four different things at once, and you got a whole smorgasbord of cheap American Mexican fast food. Um, air quotes around the Mexican. But now that the Mexican pizza is gone, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Um, you know, that's just... I don't appreciate that. I feel like the rug's been pulled out from underneath me. Um, you know, the quesarito, long live the quesarito, has been gone for a couple months now. Now they're taking yeah. away the Mexican mm-hmm. pizza in November. Um, and they're taking away the cheesy uh, chicken mini quesadilla thing. So, you know, all frowns when it comes to uh, living moss. Yeah, so Taco Bell for me, uh, big time college stop. I, I mean, it was kind of the Friday night fuel up take it back to the apartment, kind of get ready, and, uh, you know, maybe hit it again later on Friday night, <laughs> early right. Saturday morning. That's right. Double on, up. Double up. You know, that, that Main Street Taco Bell, probably one of the highest grossing Taco Bells in the country. Yes. Um, But yeah, you know, I, I've probably been uh, less than two to three times in the last decade, which, wow. and it's not that I don't like Taco Bell, I love Taco Bell. It just... Usually when I'm getting fast food, I need to eat it quick. I need to eat it in the car. And it's not typically, you know, something that, that translates well to that. So Yeah. No, I understand. I understand. But the good news is, in related fast food news, although this is probably not related at all now that I think about it, McDonald's coming out with the first flavor of their chicken nuggets in their entire history on September 16th. They're coming out with spicy chicken nuggets, which I am all for. Um, and I applaud McDonald's on their innovation and uh, their risk taking because I think that's great. It's not even a risk. I mean, people love spicy yeah. everything nowadays, but that's going to be cool. I wouldn't even cool. like innovation. It's like McDonald's, you haven't done this yet. Like well, 2020. Look, it's like, innovation. Everybody's got spicy chicken nuggets. Eventually they're getting there, right? And knowing McDonald's, they already had the best chicken nugget on the block. Um, fight me if you don't believe it. 
but it's only going to get better on the 16th. So I'm sure there's going to be lines for this uh, spicy nugget that's coming out, but that is really the only solace I can take in the fast food world right now, knowing my beloved Mexican pizza is on the way out. So if you're listening to this, this is news to you, and you get the Mexican pizza like I do, just make sure you get your fill before mid-November and they yank it off the menu and and ruin lives forever. Well, Tim, um, not really an easy uh, segue here, but (laughs) I'm uh, I'm in the market for a car. Oh, right now. And I know you bought a car recently. I did. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you noticed this, but I just want to talk about the routine that you get when you go into the car dealership. Sure. Specifically after you've test driven the car and you're sitting there chatting and the guy's always like, yeah, yeah, you know, hold on, let me, let me go grab something. And then in walks the sales manager and, <laughs> you know, he kind of tries to just, you know fluff you up and oh what can i do for you let's make a deal blah 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 it's just like can can we just cut to the chase you cut thirty five hundred dollars off the price i'll sign on the dotted line right right but that's not even the issue i'm running into right now i just cannot find the trim level that i want no it's like not in existence almost i've done a nationwide search there's like 20 vehicles, and it's not like it's it's a Volkswagen Atlas, okay? It's not like it's a freaking Ferrari. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a COVID situation or not, but it's uh, it's infuriating because I don't like the way that the regular Atlas looks. I want this specific trim line, and uh, I can't find it. And yeah. uh, I just wanted to, to get that off my chest. It's been, it's, it's been frustrating. Yeah, no, car shopping is miserable, man. You know, when it comes to car shopping, I kind of know what I want when I go to the dealership already. I'm really just looking to get some keys, maybe throw in a chest drive. And I'm a really social person. But, man, there's something just in my body that repulses any time the car salesman come up, comes up and I have to have the forced conversation. Well, the problem is, Tim, I'll tell you the problem. Ugh. You can't you can't just go in and test drive the vehicle. Right. Like, that's part of the shopping experience. I'm an educated buyer. I've got it down to two or three vehicles that I'm considering. Of course. I want to drive them. Yeah. But then it's a half-day affair to test drive one vehicle at one dealership. Yeah. And then you got to go do it again at two or, you know, three others. You know, yep. it's just like, can I can I walk in? Can I test drive the car? I'll say yay or nay, or I'll say I'll be back soon, and then that's it. Yeah. I don't need to tell you my life story. I don't need to know your life story. I don't need to know a thing about you, to be honest. Can you just give me the keys and just, you know, be on with your day? Yeah, that'd be the easiest commission in the world right there. What if we just started, like, a Chowder and Grits car dealership? I don't know. I mean, maybe we should. I'm social. I can be the guy that annoys everyone. Yeah. Um, man, I, w- I would love that. I mean, that'd be kind of fun, talking to people. You got you that know. used car salesman look. Oh, yeah. I can knock that out of the park, dude. Knock it out of the park. They they wouldn't be able to control me. I'd be making so many deals. Yeah, well, either way, um, let's transition to Hokies football. But, let's do it. Yeah, car buying. Um, speaking of cars, you know, I feel like Justin Fuente right now has the media locked in a car and has all the information and just won't, you know, let them open the door to get out. He's... That's got to be the one thing that he's loving about this whole COVID situation is he can keep everything so locked in right now. Oh, yeah. And only has to talk to media once a week. They're not at practice. They're not on campus. 
you know, it's obviously a lot of uh, other things that comes along with COVID. I'm sure he would deal with the media if he had the choice of COVID or media. Of course. Um, but that's got to be the one uh, rose in a garden full of dead roses right now is, oh, is Fuente sure. not speaking to the media. So it looks like um, Jaden Payute has broken his ankle. At least that's the rumor. So... You know, again, we've talked we talked about this in the preview a little bit. Not sure how, uh, you know, big of a loss that is going to be to on-field production for 2020, uh, especially with the Raheem Blackshear um, overturn for the yeah. appeal and now that he's going to be here. So I just kind of felt like <clears throat> Payu was going to be a guy who, um, you know, was really hyped up. You know, he's got a lot of promise. I can't wait to see him on the field and in action and, you know, and as an every down player. But I just felt like 2020 wasn't going to be the year that uh, that we really got to see him shine. But either way, we'll never know. It looks like uh, it's a pretty, you know, bad situation from a health standpoint. So uh, I believe Fuente talks to the media on Wednesday. So we should probably have an update here uh, pretty soon. But yeah, tough loss uh, for the Hokies, and obviously a tough, uh, tough situation for Payute. Yeah, you know, you, you hate it for him. Anytime somebody gets an injury, you hate to see it. Um, pictures floating around on Twitter of of his leg in a boot, so obviously not looking very promising. Although, um, you know, maybe put a little water on the fire. Boots are put on for cautionary reasons all the time during the season on players. This, of course, doesn't seem like the case, but you never know. I, I think the big issue, one of the issues is our wide receiver room, still not the deepest in the world. Um, getting Black Shears waiver accepted now becomes absolutely critical. Um, you know, we're able to not replace Payute, but we're able to plug in Black Shear at the near the top of the depth chart in the wide receiver room, and that always helps. I think what we're going to miss, though, without Payute is – Athletically speaking, I'm not sure he has many peers in that wide receiver room. Um, so, you know, when you lose a guy like that that's got the speed combination with the size, you know, just looking at it, pictures of him this offseason, you can tell he's been putting in work. A guy that can extend the field, even if he wasn't putting up gaudy stats, um, you know, just having him on the field, you know, even running something as simple as a vertical route just to keep the defense honest, uses a bit like a decoy. Um, it's going to hurt not having that option. And, you know, he was one of the guys I was most excited to see uh, from a potential standpoint. You know, Richard last year, been hearing great things about him. It's a shame, um, you know, but luckily we haven't been hit by the injury bug too bad. So, it, you know, it you hate to see it. Hope the recovery's quick. And, and maybe this is a scenario where uh, he's out maybe two to three to four weeks and, and we can see him towards the tail end of the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, best case, probably four to six week scenario. Uh, Virginia Tech coaching staff is not one to rush back guys either. Um, I think we've learned that over time. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I think certainly uh, if uh, if it's not as severe as we think it is that, you know, he'll be back at some point. Maybe he can help contribute. Um, a family affair just keeps on continuing it in Blacksburg, man, I tell you. So, you didn't see the announcement, Jack Hollyfield, uh, tight end, North Carolina. Yeah, brother of Dax, committed to the Hokies. So I don't know what series we're in and the you know brother legacy that that is at Virginia Tech, but just the long line of uh, of brothers to play football together. So that'll be something to watch next year. Um, but uh, I do remember one of my favorite parts about Jack's recruitment was when. Uh, he thanked 
UVA for a scholarship offer, and Dax quote tweeted it with an LOL, and uh, <laughs> that just made my day. Yeah, you know, they seem like two guys that really love Virginia Tech, so, you know, great to have them on our side. Dax, obviously, fan favorite. Um, Jack, seeming like he'll fill those shoes pretty well himself. Um, you know, you love to see it. There's something really heartwarming about Virginia Tech, and you know, kind of the legacy that we have with the brothers who follow up with more brothers and more brothers. Um, and, you know, impact players too. these guys come in here and have really good careers. And um, Shelby Pipeline continues to pay off in North Carolina. So you love to see it. You love to see Jack. I think they're talking about Jack being a tight end. Um, and it seems to me, obviously, with good size at 6'3", 225, um, you know, as a senior, that's that's pretty big. Um, and, and we could use the tight end help. So, Hopefully he comes in here and fits in. You know, having a guy like like Dax on the team is going to be big for Jack fitting in. And, you know, we just got to keep finding more brothers, man. I mean, we really found our niche, and we just got to keep exploring that. But, again, another big pull with Jack Hollifield joining the Hokies. Yeah, I feel like – I really feel like I let, you know, Virginia Tech down by not, you know, <laughs> being good enough in football. And then, you know, my brother as well and you – you and your brother. I hey, mean, where are you easy. at? So, you know, that, that could have been uh, that could have been an easy, just another easy one to add to kind of a long line. So, you know, maybe right. in another life, uh, not in this one. But let's uh, let's jump over, Tim, to to preview ACC week one. I didn't think I was going to be saying those words a few weeks ago. So uh, just happy that we're here. It feels like I mean, we're essentially in. Week three, you know, if you count the Austin P Central Arkansas week as a week zero, essentially, um, that, you know, it feels like it's working. You know, yeah. we don't really, I don't think we're getting a real behind the scenes look at what's happening with these programs. You know, Virginia Tech has been adamant that they're not going to release COVID results. You know, Oklahoma came out and said the same thing. Some schools are, some schools aren't. Um, but at the same time, like it's going to be so hard to kind of predict what happens this season because we're not going to really know the full health of teams until literally kickoff. That's right. what it feels like. So um, I feel like anything can happen. Um, but, you know, here we are. It's week one. So let's get it started. It's UAB at Miami Thursday night. We're going to do these games in order of which they appear on your television. So Kane's open as a 14-point favorite. This game is 8 p.m. Eastern on the ACC Network. Again, it's Thursday night. UAB has already played this year, so they're posting a 45-35 win against Central Arkansas, and I've got three things to watch for here. So first one's pretty obvious, Tim. Derek King's debut. What's the fuss about? We should see it in this game. If King goes off, expect the hype train to leave the station. Kane's nation will be lit. If it's mediocre then, you know, maybe I'll be somewhat surprised because I'm not expecting him to come out and dominate. But he had 50 total touchdowns in 2018. Led the nation. This dude can play. He should come out. He should dominate UAB. De'Ara King, something to watch for. Yeah. Now I'm excited to see what King has to offer. Like you said, uh, just a freaking touchdown machine his last full season at Houston. And you're right. I mean, the fan base obviously is starving, but... If Miami wins this game by more than two touchdowns, Miami will officially be back, according to everyone at South Florida. Oh, yeah. Because cause they beat UAB. And cause, of course. Because the Eric King. It's because the Eric King. That's what of it's going to be. So 
we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to seeing Derek King play. It's been a while, so you know we'll see what kind of rust he has and. You know, I think we'll really see as well with teams, especially with uh, newer coaching staff. So, you know, like the Florida States, you know, the Miamis to an extent because they've got a bunch of new assistants. You know, what do these guys look like in game situations? They didn't have the spring. They had a weird kind of summer. So uh, they've got real game action. UAB's already got a game under their belt. Is that an advantage? We'll see. Offensive line play, second thing I'm looking for. We hit on it last week. Can the Canes line stop anything this year and how will a guy like King <laughs> cover up any deficiencies it may have and right. I think that will certainly help but if he's running for his life every single play especially against a team like UAB you know it's it, it feels like it'll probably be much of the same for Miami this year yeah it, you would think um, a lot a lot to look for though and, and you know Miami this is kind of the perfect start for them they get a team coming in in UAB where they can absolutely make a statement and, and they need to uh, that bowl loss was an embarrassment to the program, an embarrassment to the coaching staff. Um, you know, and instead of leading off with a conference game, they get kind of a soft entry point uh, to showcase some new weapons. Um, big opportunity for Manny Diaz here, and and you know what better way than to blow the doors off of somebody if you have the chance. And UAB strong rushing team, rushed for 200 plus yards against Central Arkansas. Um, but again, Central Arkansas, is Central Arkansas, that's an FCS team, um, not an FBS team. So uh, they'll see what they can do against that Miami front, who'd been pretty stingy uh, last year. Um, and we'll see what kind of uh, improvements they've made on the defensive side, too, uh, with Roche, their transfer from Temple, one of the better defensive ends, if not the best defensive end in the conference. Um, we'll get to see how he looks for the Canes, too. So uh, time to make a statement. Time to make a statement. And then Manny's uh, ready, obviously, uh, to go ahead and try to do that. But not to say you should take UAB lightly as well. Um, you know, there's, there's still a, a division one team. There's still an FCS team. So, you know, you can't take them too lightly, but you know, big chance for Miami to make some big noise. Yeah. And that leads me to my third thing to watch and that's UAB's rushing attack. So you just mentioned, mentioned Quincy Roche. Uh, they are Sands, Greg Russo, who opted out. So that is a completely different look on the defensive line. Correct. Uh, although still strong, uh, but UAB, they went nine and five last season. So they're they're a solid football team. They have yeah. a senior running back who has rushed for three thousand two hundred and forty nine yards in his career. So, you know that's going to be something to look for this season. He had over a hundred yards against Central Arkansas in Week One. So, you know how can UAB help control that? You know that that line of scrimmage is is that going to be a strength of Miami? Is that going to be a weakness? UAB's got some talent on this football team. It's a fourteen point favorite. Kane should cover. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think that rushing attack will uh, give us a big lens into whether or not the defensive line is is ready to go without uh, Russo there this season. Yeah, great point. Great point. Totally agree. So, I don't know, Tim. We're, we're going to do the doing line segment, <laughs> uh, which is our, you know, picks against the spread. Do we want to pick each ACC game as well? Um. Just yeah, straight I, up winner, or do we just want to save it for the doing lines? Yeah, let's 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 just say maybe maybe a winner here, um, but but save the betting picks for the doing line segment, which is so aptly named. Okay, so I think we're both in agreement. Miami will win this game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Syracuse at number eighteen, North Carolina. Tar Heels a big favorite here at minus twenty two. This game is Saturday noon Eastern ACC Network. 
First thing to look for, Tim, is Tommy DeVito ready to make a jump? This guy, he was highly touted recruit, struggled throughout all of last season. His toughness, even questioned at times. I think there was a time he actually uh, was caught crying on the sideline after a coach kind of uh, got onto his case after a uh, an offensive series. So a lot of different things at play here at Syracuse. Uh, you know, this is a good starting point to start changing that conversation. It's a tough ask in week one. Not saying DeVito has to lead his team to victory here, but he needs to look the part. And we yeah. should have a good sense about the future of Syracuse's season based off of how DeVito performs this week against North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, that's the key. Um, it certainly didn't up to, uh, look up to task last year, as you mentioned. Um, but they're going to need to get a lot out of him because this thing is shaping up to be uh, a high-scoring affair for the light blue team. Um, so they're going to need to answer punch for punch, and, and that's going to have to come from DeVito, um, especially when you have an air raid offense on the other side that just wants to keep passing the ball down your throat. So um, we'll see. It'll, it'll be readily apparent. And, you know, for a guy like DeVito, this is a, a tough matchup, you know, to open up. Uh, you know, a season in which you really, really, really need to uh, bounce back. So we'll see if he's able to do that. UNC secondary. You know, we highlighted it last week. Had a few opt-outs, but Storm Duck was one of the highest-rated corners as a true freshman. He's back. Is Tony Grimes ready? He's the number one overall recruit for 2021, reclassifying to 2020. This guy was in high school a couple of months ago. Very interested to see what role Grimes is going to play on this defense. And then you got, you know, Cameron Kelly and Kyler McMichael, who neither of which was able to play last season. So new look secondary for North Carolina, a young secondary. Uh, you know, how are they going to perform? You know, that that is uh, definitely something that I'm interested to see, especially against a, a highly touted guy like DeVito. But again, a DeVito who does not have as much steam as he had coming into last season. No, and as you mentioned, Storm Duck. Tony Grimes could really be one of the best one-two punches at corner uh, outside of Blacksburg this year. Um, and UNC, really, a lot of their season is going to rest on, on those two specifically and how well they can shut down opposing passing attacks as, you know, obviously passing becomes more readily apparent in the ACC and in, in the NCAA as a whole. Um, you know, Phil Longo, that air raid offense on one side, is going to be scoring rather quickly, especially when you have as effective a quarterback as Sam Howell. So keeping those cornerbacks steady, not gassed in the game is going to be huge. And locking down those opposing passing attacks is going to be so, so important. And Tony Grimes, obviously, Virginia Tech pod, podcast, a guy that was really, really high on our board. Um, one of the absolute best high school recruits in the nation. And if you pay attention to this guy, his work, at, work ethic really and truly seems unrivaled. Um, you know, a shame that he went to North Carolina and, and got out of our grasp, but I'm super interested to see how well he plays, especially given uh, that he's playing college football a year earlier than he was expecting. And for the record, I don't think Tony Grimes was ever in Virginia Tech's grasp. At least that's the way it felt. No. Um, should have been, but, you know, wasn't. Right. Uh, third and final point, can UNC dominate as expected? So... They're a 22-point favorite. You know, there were only two conference games that UNC won by more than six points last year, and that was against Georgia Tech. Right. Um, and I've got UNC as the second one here, so off the top of my head, can't recall. But all the rest, or NC State, I'm, nah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, moving on. All the rest were extremely close games, you know, coming down to the wire. Mm -hmm. Can they put the foot on the accelerator this year and beat the teams that they're expected to beat 
by a reasonable amount. So the guys in Vegas clearly think they can. I need to see it first. This is still a very young team. I think they're better than Syracuse. They've got a lot more talent than Syracuse does overall. You know, they should win by at least two scores, but will they? Because they found a way to either get down big and have to claw their way back in the games or to get up and let a team back in. Um, So, you know, that's going to be something that, again, if we see that again in 2020, there's going to be start just being questions about what's going on with this team. Why can't they turn the corner? 2020 is the turning corner year and 2021 is the they should start to dominate here. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just you that thinks that. I mean, so if you go back to 1983, they've been ranked top 25 preseason 10 times. Eight of those seasons, they finished the season outside of the top 25. So underperforming expectations is kind of what UNC football does. You could Um, not wait to get that stat in there. Oh, let me tell you, I've been holding that one in the back pocket for a while. (laughs) Um, So underperforming is kind of what UNC football does. Let's just be honest here. Um, they're one step away from being Notre Dame in that regard. Uh, they just don't have you know the talent that Notre Dame has. Um, but make no mistake, this is a serious, seriously talented talented team. Um, Andre Cisco, Syracuse secondary, gonna have a lot of work cut out for him stopping Daz Newsom and company on the edge. Um, they really should win this game comfortably, um, and I fully expect them to. But but like you said, it's one of those things where you expect it. But at the same time, deep down, given that it's UNC, especially how they struggled last year in games they should not have struggled in, you're going to want to see the results. So this is definitely a show-me-what-you-got game. And a Mac and company, I think, are going to take it that way and, and really uh, come out there to make an impression, just like the Hurricanes will. Yeah, it's, uh, it's week one. It's 2020. Anything can happen. You know, maybe we see some of that 2018 Dino Babers magic again. But, you know, I think both you and I are in agreement UNC wins this game. Uh, if they don't, it will be uh, a complete shock. Now, if yeah. they win by 22, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think they win, and they win by double-digit points. Yeah. Uh, Duke at Notre Dame. Interesting matchup here. 230 Eastern on NBC, fighting Irish, a 20-point favorite. Uh, this is a team that beat Duke last year, 38-7. Uh, it's a new-look Duke offense. That's the first thing I'm looking for. you got Chase Price at quarterback. He was named a starter. You've got David Cutcliffe, who's now calling the plays. First time he's called plays, I believe, since 2003. Different football game these days. So feels like a new era for Blue Devils football, at least offensively. I'm excited to see what this offense can do, especially against a Notre Dame defense that has uh, talent, but a lot of question marks. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, you know, this is one of my most, uh, this is one of the games I'm most excited to watch because of those question marks. I'm really excited to see what Chase Bryce is able to do. Um, you know, I, I think it's really cool that, that Cutcliffe is going to be calling the plays. You know, when you talk about coaches that are really good and, and really highly thought of, I think Coach Coach Cut's one of the first guys you think of. Um, and it's just kind of cool, you know, the last time he was calling plays, Eli Manning was his quarterback. Um, if you want to date him back when he was at Ole Miss. So it's kind of cool so that we're Chase now... So Chase Bryce is going to be the first overall pick in the draft. You that, just called it. That's it. I mean, that, that's basically that's where I was going on that. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. So it's been since, what, 17 years since we've seen Cutcliffe call plays. Um, and he was doing it with Eli Manning. So um, yeah, let, let's see what he's got, man. I'm excited to see what Chase Bryce is able to do. And, you know, like you said, question marks on both sides of the ball. You know, not just on Duke's side. Notre Dame offense at the skill positions is where my focus is going to be. Kyron Williams named the starting running back. 
Will he look like a feature back, or will it be a running back by committee? I certainly think there's going to be some other guys getting some looks there. What will the new group of receivers be able to do, you know, against a pretty below-average Duke defense? A lot of question marks there. You know, a lot of their most talented guys are either hurt or not playing for unknown reasons. Um, I think they'll still match up favorably from a talent perspective, and we know they have a great offensive line, a very solid quarterback, but who's going to emerge at the skill positions? So that's the biggest question mark for me. How will it look? You know, again, this is a, a game in which Notre Dame matches up well against the opponent. So I would expect Notre Dame to come out and look crisp, you know, be able to move the ball efficiently up and down the field. But certainly, uh, most specifically, the wide receivers is what I'm most interested to see, especially the group that's starting on Saturday. Yeah, you know, the wide receivers are going to have to get off to a good start. And that's one of those things where I see a really big mismatch in this game is the Notre Dame skilled players versus the Duke skilled players. I think that's going to tell the tale of the game. Um, you know, and, and if you're Duke, you're, you're hoping that you can get a little bit more out of maybe less talent. But, um, you know, I, I think those X factors you mentioned will determine, you know, how this game ends up turning out as I really see the scales flip to Notre Dame's favor in that regard. And that brings us to the Tommy Reese led offense. So that's the third and final thing I'm looking for in this one. He had his job interview in the camping world bowl where Notre Dame beat Iowa state 33, nine outgaining the cyclones 455 272. He's now the full-time guy going to be interested to see what he can do in his first season. His first regular season game is the new lead at OC. Um, that is certainly going to be something to watch. So two, two offensive coordinator situations, one David Cutcliffe and uh, the young gun and Tommy Reese. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It's always weird when you see those former players, like I mentioned last podcast, come in, um, start calling plays. A guy that you feel like wasn't too long ago slinging the rock for Notre Dame. So Tommy Reese obviously wants to come in, make a statement. I think Duke's another one of those teams where, um, you know, it, it's a pretty good matchup for Notre Dame. Uh, they get Duke at home. Uh, Tommy Reese gets to come out and, and not face the stiffest of competition on defense. And Cut's got a tall order here. Um, but I think it's going to come up roses for Notre Dame in the end. Yeah, I agree. Notre Dame definitely wins this one um, by 20. Eh, I don't know. Georgia Tech at Florida State, 330 Eastern on ABC. FSU only a 12.5 point favorite in Mike Norvell's yeah. debut, which is tops on my list here. So couldn't have really gotten a better draw. But I think it actually adds a little bit of pressure uh, because FSU has a combined record of 18 and 20 in its last three seasons, hasn't finished above 500 in the ACC since 2016. It's on its third coach in four seasons. People are going to expect that the Seminoles need to absolutely dominate an overmatched Yellow Jackets group, and they'll want to see fireworks on offense. So, again, Norvell's got an up tempo approach, a pro style flair. Will the players that are on the Florida State roster be able to run that type of system? Big question mark. 12.5 points. I think if they beat them by 12 points or less, you know, it's not going to get the fan base excited. Yeah. No, that, that that wouldn't do it. And I certainly expect it to be, uh, you know, a, a larger uh, margin of victory there. And it's interesting, we talk about, you know, this being one of those seasons where teams that don't usually play year in and year out play. Well, here we are sitting with Florida State and Georgia Tech. If you remember, the last time they played was one of the coolest finishes to any ACC game ever. Uh, Georgia Tech returning a, a short field goal 
all the way for a touchdown, shades of Alabama and Auburn, um, to win that game. So it's nice to see them matching up again, although obviously the faces on the Florida State sideline are completely different uh, than they were last time. Florida State's offensive line, so this just must be a Florida thing. You know, quarterback James Blackman said earlier this week that he thought the offensive line is the most put-together aspect of the offense right now. So if you've been following Florida State football for the last few years, you would know that the offensive line is basically the demise (laughs) of that offense. That's right. So that would have to be a pretty positive, uh, you know, situation considering Blackman has never played behind a good or even an average offensive line. So maybe they're just average and he's just like stunned by how great they look, but they've been terrible. So if the offensive line is truly that far along, we should expect big things out of this offense in 2020. You know, we'll see we'll see what it can do in, in week one against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and, you know, big shoes to fill, I think, especially when you talk about the shoddy offensive line. Um, Florida State also was able to somehow have a running back that made them look somewhat decent at times, and, and that running back is now gone. So Florida State without Cam Akers, where are they going to find their dynamic playmaking out of the backfield? Um, and then, you know, you talk about who do you want to see perform well and what do you expect to see? I expect to see James Blackman absolutely tear it up. Um, the guy's been in the Florida state system now for a while, although he's learning a new offense, you know, he's a guy who I think is probably the most underrated arm in the conference. And I really like his toughness. Um, you know, I expect to see this slim reaper dropping dimes to Marion Terry, uh, at least eight or nine times this game. Um, and they'd be smart to try to foster that connection earlier. Um, and see what they can do. But I expect this to be, I, I hate to say an easy game, but certainly I expect to see Florida State have a, a fairly easy time with Georgia Tech, given where they are in the transition. And honestly, they're a fun, fun offense to watch, and it's always cool to see new coaches come in, install new systems. So what does Norvell plan to do? How does he plan to take that Memphis offense, which at times just looked absolutely Herculean, um, and, and take it down to Tallahassee where, you know, for all intents and purposes, he has a much more talented roster. Um, should lead to good things. And, you know, then Georgia Tech on that other side of the ball, how do they continue this transaction transition under Swaggy G, stealing your nickname, um, and what can they do to somewhat slow down what should be a pretty high-powered offense? Yeah, you know, James Blackman is a guy, I, I feel like nobody really talks about him, but he could certainly pop up on people's radars by the end of the season and be like, why weren't we talking about James Blackman? So yeah, um, I think it's just kind of a, a product of the system he's been in. I think he's certainly more talented than he's looked at times, but then if you look at his numbers, you know, he looks very talented. So yeah, um, I think and, it's and a big year thing. for for him personally. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, when you talk about James Blackman, it's easy to understand, and I I think it's easy to understand, uh, given where Taggart had that team, um, it really couldn't have been more difficult, I think, for James Blackman to succeed for a lot of reasons. But you're talking about a guy that even with all of that adversity, not just from a play-calling standpoint, but from a protection standpoint, to go back and look at his numbers and say, wow, these really don't look bad, given everything that he had going up against him. Um, I, I'm honestly, I'm excited to see what he's able to do in Norvell's offense, because if there's one thing I think that you're going to get with Norvell is a consistent offensive game plan um, and a guy who knows how to leverage talent on the offensive side of the ball. And it's there. I mean, we know Florida State has that talent. Like we mentioned in the preview, though, the offensive line is needed work. The talk out of camp has been good for Florida State. Um, and now it's time to see what they got. 
So third and final thing to look for in, in this game and kind of beyond here is, will Georgia Tech be as bad as we think they are? So they were bad last year, 3-9, and nine, but competitive in some games where we didn't really expect them to be, such as beating Miami. You know, But this team, even though they're undergoing a big-time transition from a triple option to a pro style, I don't think there could be a further you know, <laughs> road to travel than going from <laughs> triple option to pro style. Right. You know, you're returning a lot of starters, you know, also pulled in a top 25 recruiting class. James Graham is the returner at quarterback. You know, he's certainly an athletic playmaker. Um, you know, Jordan Mason at running back had a pretty solid season. So I don't think anybody is expecting them to win this game, but they'll be competitive. A 12 and a half point spread to me suggests something. That that I was surprised at how low the spread yeah. was. Yeah, you know, and usually Vegas kind of knows these things. They're more aware. They're more, t- more tuned in than anybody. And, yeah, I, I think that line was smaller than what I expected. Um, you know, I, I think Georgia Tech is going to have some issues, especially when you talk about the returning starters. Only two of those are in the front six, front seven. Um, so that, that could potentially lead to some issues. Uh, there's a lot of newness in the front of that line and and it maybe that's going to make it easier for FSU with an offensive line that's that's looking to improve certainly is a good start for them at least to go up against some inexperience so um, maybe there is something that Vegas knows and this game will be tighter I just looking on paper can't see it the governors from Clarksville Tennessee Austin P travel over to Pittsburgh 4 p.m. Eastern ACC network no spread here FCS versus FBS opponent Austin P opened up the college football season with their game against Central Arkansas lost 24 17 um, I don't really expect them to be competitive in this game to be honest uh, don't really expect them to even score uh, but Kenny Pickett you know I expect Pickett to come out rolling on all cylinders in this game. It's year two under Mark Whipple, you know, year three for Pickett. Uh, It should happen uh, just because of the opponent that they're playing. He's got a nice group of receivers returning in an offensive line that was okay at times last year. But if you're a Pitt fan, you're wanting a crisp, efficient game out of this offense, and you want it to come out of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, you do. I mean, this, this whole season is hinging on Kenny Pickett and what you're able to get out of him you know what you've got in so many areas and and Kenny Pickett should also be one of those known quantities but to this point he's he's not um at least he's not giving you the level of performances you would need to really take what is uh, a borderline elite defense to newer heights um you know so if you're like you said if you're a Pitt Panther fan you're you're waiting for this one and you're going to want to see Pickett go out there and throw up a comfortable 250 to 300 yards and no picks and three touchdowns and whether or not he's able to give that to you is it remains to be seen the Pitt running game, another ACC team, another running back by committee. A.J. Davis was named a starter, but there's a lot of hands in the pot. Who's going to emerge as the lead Panther for Pitt out of this backfield? Not sure we have found that. That I'm not sure we'll find that out here, but it'll be interesting to see how the carries are divided while this game remains closed for a couple of quarters. So uh, the Pitt running game, you know, since they lost Darren Hall, Quadri Olison has been, um, you know, not what it was. So that that to me is the biggest question mark of this offense going into the season. Yeah, yeah, you know, how how Pitt handles the running game is going to be interesting. Typically a strength of the offense now filled with question marks and you know, you flip to the Austin P side of the ball and they opened up 
the entire college football season, the entire 2020 college football season with true freshman CJ Evans uh, scoring on a 75 yard touchdown run. So Pitt's going to hope to bottle some of that P magic and, and go in there and, and have a, a field day on the ground. Last and certainly not least, how many Narduzzi F-bombs are we going to hear? <laughs> you know, so, I think I think the Deuce is going to be calm on this one. Yeah, I don't know. He just I, He's not a calm guy in any circumstance. So he's not. But the stands are going to be largely empty. You know, I, I don't know how many people Pitt are letting in, but they're going to be pretty much empty. You know that we're going to hear this until the network figures out that they just need to mute the pit sideline <laughs> yeah. because the fines are going <laughs> to just be outrageous. But he should be in a good mood for most of the game. You know, I just I don't think Austin P is going to be able to score much. But um, you know, I, I think it's the offense that might kind of light that fire. Yeah, and it should be. Um, you know, when you talk about these FCS games. Um, when you have that FBS FCS matchup, that's kind of what you're always hoping to see is an offensive explosion. It never makes anyone feel comfortable when their team goes out and maybe gets 23 points, 21 points against an FCS team, which you see happen all too often. Um, you know, so it would quell a lot of the Pitt Panthers fans nerve to go out there and see a, a competent performance on offense. And, um, you know, give them some hope that maybe it won't be having, you know, the defense won't have to carry the day every weekend, week in and week out this season in ACC football play. Clemson at Wake Forest, primetime, 730 Eastern, ABC. College game day, which for some reason is traveling this year. They will be in Winston-Salem. I don't know why. Clemson is a 33-point favorite. This is a really tough way for Wake to open the season especially after having lost so much compared to last season. Not just you're playing Clemson, you get them prime time on pretty much the first week of the college football season. So, you know, let's look out for the Wake offense. You know, I I like Sam Hartman at quarterback. I think he's a talented guy. If he can stay healthy, he's got a chance to play at the next level, I think. I don't think he's going to be a world beater, but I think he can play at the next level in, in some fashion. But he's really the only sure thing on offense. You know, they've lost a ton, including Jamie Newman, who, if you missed it, opted out of playing at Georgia, That's right. which uh, was a stunner. Um, they lost their leading rusher, their top three receivers, three starters along the offensive line, and their tight end. So that's less than 15% of the returning production at the receiver position that they have returning. And they lost to Clemson last year 52-3. to And they won nine games. So if they can put together a couple of scoring drives, I'll chalk it up as a win for Wake, for Wake Forest. But, you know, I, I just want to see what Sam Hartman can do with a completely overmatched unit on the football field. Yeah, it's, man, you talk about some key losses. This is one of those kind of position groups that got absolutely decimated when you talk about the wide receiving court, Wake Forest. You know, we talk about the names, and just name recognition. Kendall Hinton, Scotty Washington, Sage Surratt, all gone from Wake Forest. I mean, if you tallied that up, that's like 2,600 receiving yards that are now gone. Season the over only season. reason it wasn't more is because Scotty Washington kept getting 
banged up last year. That's right. Because when you say Scotty Washington, you're not thinking a 600-yard receiver. I mean, you're thinking about a guy that easily had 1,000-yard potential because he did. Um, amazing wealth of, of riches they had at the wide receiver position last year. Um, now they're looking at an empty cabinet. And, and what does Clawson do to get the most out of a quarterback who now won't have uh, the same toolbox he's used to having? Um, it, it's going to be interesting, you know, that what does Wake Forest do? Um, Primetime, overmatched. I mean, they should cut. They're going to come out swinging. You got to. Um, but are they going to be able to manage anything against a Clemson defense, which can be absolutely overpowering at times, even when you have uh, your best punch and, and your best players? So uh, tall order for Wake Forest. But, um, you know, defensively, I think there's there's something to like there for Wake Forest. You're going to have uh, Boogie Basham, who defensive end, probably a first round pick in the draft going up against a Clemson offensive line with some question marks. So you could see Wake Forest able to effectively pressure Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, how do you even begin to slow Trevor Lawrence down? Well, applying pressure would be a good start. Yeah, well, you bring me to, to my next topic is the Clemson offensive line. And, you know, Boogie Basham is the guy. I think the thing to consider there, though, is you've got five offensive linemen and one Boogie Basham. So, you know, it's a nice test for this group <laughs> to start the season. But, you know, Clemson... These are five stars coming in, four at the at the lowest. So these guys are ready to go. Yeah, you know it's gonna it's gonna be a nice test theoretically on paper, but you know there's only so much Boogie's gonna be able to do. You know they can double team Boogie and have to worry about other guys. So uh, you're looking really for consistency here, discipline. You know how do they perform in the run game? Because you have to imagine it's gonna be a pretty run heavy attack from Clemson to open the season here. But I don't. I don't suspect we'll see a whole lot of Trevor Lawrence dropping back, you know, maybe in the first quarter, first quarter and a half. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking to see what this offensive line can do from a discipline standpoint. No holding penalties, you know, no, um, you know, chop blocks, things like that. Um, But, you know, Boogie, great player. uh, But I I think he's just in over his head in this one. Yeah, and Wake Forest is a general you know, ESPN's FPI says they have a 97% chance to win this game. Um, that even Wake feels does. low. No, no, Clemson does. Uh, which, that even feels low to me. I, I think it's probably higher than that. Um, you know, but crazier things have happened. And, you know, you mentioned some good things. I think Clemson's offensive line play is key to their season. So you can start kind of picking out and, and seeing how Clemson's offensive line may mesh early on against a test. You know, when you talk about NFL talent on the line, um, and Wake Forest does have a, have a pretty decent defensive line, even with, you know, considering obviously the outlier and Boogie Basham being uber talented. Um, you know, we'll get we'll get to line some things up and see how Clemson's looking when it comes to, you know, the scope of the national championship and how that may shake out early on, um, which will be fun. And, and, you know, just thinking about having a primetime football game with the ACC playing football just gets me really excited, even with a 97-3 to 3 FPI kind of mismatch. The wide receivers, last thing I'm uh, looking for here from Clemson. So, you know, somewhat contradictory to the above statement with regards to, you know, the passing attack in this game. But, you know, the receiver and the offensive line were the biggest question marks for Clemson coming into the season. So, Joseph Nada is the one underclassman that was named a starter. Yeah, Cornell Powell, who was kind yeah. of a surprise announcement. And then... Uh, Amari Rogers. So Nada and Powell, 
uh, are probably the biggest questions. And, and Powell is, you know, somewhat of a surprise. He had the strong camp, seized the opportunity. Um, you know, we'll see what can happen. I don't think we're going to learn a whole lot about the receivers in this game. Um, it's just something to kind of see how they look. I think a lot of guys are going to get a lot of looks, but um, something to, to watch for going forward. I would suspect yeah. that all of them, uh, you know, end up doing pretty well in this game. Yeah, I think especially because you're going to see a lot of box stacking, obviously, to combat that potent Clemson running game, that you're going to see uh, wide receivers pop regardless of the outlook for the rest of the season for them. And, you know, Cornell Powell, a a good feel-good story, a guy that's been there four years, um, you know, a senior ready to take the reins and looking good at camp. That's always a fun story. So, you know, keep an eye on Cornell Powell, and, and maybe he will lead the line for the Tigers when it comes to those wide receivers. Last game of the week, Western Kentucky at Louisville, and I'll probably be watching this one more than the Clemson game, to be honest. So this game is 8 p.m. Eastern on ACC Network. Louisville is an 11.5-point favorite. This is a sneaky first game for the Cardinals. You know, Western Kentucky is coming off a 9-4 and season, starting a whole bunch of seniors. And this Western Kentucky defense, first thing to look out for, this defense finished last season 31st in defensive SP+. Why am I talking about last season, Tim? Because they return almost every single starter and add in a couple of nice transfers. This team turned a big-time corner under head coach Tyson Helton last year. This is year three under Helton, and they are certainly capable of beating Louisville, who thrives on offense with little to no defense to think of. So that Western Kentucky defense and how this Louisville offense match up, that's number one and two on my list. So I'll just jump into number two, and then I'll let you kind of, uh, you know, add in some some color here. But this Louisville offense, first test of the season, how are they going to perform? Because they've got weapons galore. Western Kentucky certainly wasn't facing the talent of Louisville over the course of their season, but either way, it's going to be interesting to see these two match up. Louisville last year got into trouble when they faced tougher defenses and couldn't move the ball effectively. Felt like first team to 24 was going to win. If that can happen for Western Kentucky, maybe we've got an upset city in Louisville. Yeah, so this is a fun game. You know, it's one of those where you probably looked at it on paper and didn't give much thought to it. Um but you gotta love early season, and I use a rivalry loosely here, but this is an in-state rivalry um, with a team that is surging, as you mentioned, that returns a lot of talent um, against another team who's also riding a, a major wave of momentum, um, seeing early success way quicker than anyone ever, ever could have imagined. Uh, and, and you get two teams that have fun play styles. You know, the, the running games are going to be on showcase here. Um, and, and who better to watch run than, than all the players at Louisville, Tutu Atwell, and, and, and everybody just running up and down the field in that Satterfield system, which looks so good when it's flying. Um, but a stiff defensive test coming in from WKU. And, you know, it is one of those things where, yeah, if, if you're into watching good football games, I would, and if I was a betting man, I would say you'd spend more time with this on your TV um, than what's going on with Clemson Wake Forest. So my third and final kind of alluded to this, Letdown City. This game has upset written all over it to me. You've got a bunch of seniors at Western Kentucky. They want to beat Louisville. You know how you now have a Louisville team with expectations. And so I think that's the big difference here. The pressure is on the Cardinals to come out and win. And this is the perfect opportunity for a letdown early in the season. The Hilltoppers don't have a great offense, you know, but they've got a great defense. So 
it's probably better than Louisville's defense, which isn't saying a whole lot, but Mm -hmm. will it be able to do enough to position Western Kentucky for an upset? So I think we're going to learn two things here. One is Louisville is Louisville is Louisville as good as we think they are. And I'm not saying that beating Western Kentucky is going to, you know, change my mind one way or the other, but if they're more of who I think they are, they have a really good chance of losing this game. Yeah, and you talk about a WKU team that knows what Louisville is going to throw at them is facing essentially the same offense they faced last year in Louisville. And make no mistake, they lost that game. You know, it was 38-21, maybe a little tighter than the scoreline read. Um, however, they got WKU early on, and that WKU defense really, really tightened up, as you mentioned later on in the year. Uh, the last eight games, I think they only gave up 35-plus points one time, um, you know, as an outro to the season for them. So, you know, when you're dealing with a known quantity, it's always a little easier. You, you know, you got beat last year. That that kind of spark, that desire to go exact some revenge on, on the Louisville Cardinals is going to be there. Um, I'm with you. I think, you know, if you want a team that's on upset alert throughout the ACC – it's going to be the Louisville Cardinals on Saturday. And I'm really, really glad they put this game in primetime because this has real potential to be a special game, in my opinion. All right, so we've got a new segment this year. You know, we we kind of did this last year, but not to this extent. So it's called Doing Lines. It's our picks of the week. We're picking three ACC games. Uh, we have the choice to pick whichever games we want, so we're not necessarily picking the same three. And then we're going to have a random pick around the college football landscape. So, uh, Tim, I will let you do the honors. Who do you got? All right. So I'll go the first one here. Um, I guess we can alternate if you want. But I got Miami minus 14 versus UAB. Um, Like I said earlier, I just think that's such a prime opportunity for a statement game where you're going to have Miami coming into an overmatched UAB with a foot on their neck um, with intent to show the world. And to show everybody in South Florida, hey, we mean business this year. Um, you know, kind of an unfortunate matchup, I think, for UAB going into a bit of a buzzsaw. Um, and, and what better way than to lead off with a, a three-touchdown victory. So I'm expecting that uh, spread to be covered by Miami fairly easily. Uh, my first of the week, and I think you may have this one as well, is I think Florida State covers the 12.5 points against Georgia Tech. Absolutely. Um, that is a little little too uh too conservative for me i just i I think norvell will have these guys going in the right direction i I like what blackman had to say about the offensive line um i don't think georgia tech is going to be better than we think they are this year so um i think they just still have way too far to go and florida state lose it or wins the game by less than 12 and a half points um i'm gonna be shocked so i'm 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 gonna put some money on florida state to cover yeah me too and and so you know i'll go ahead and get that one out of the way but yeah easy uh, decision for me i think you know anytime you as a new coach come into a fan base that expects results rather quickly um you know as florida state fans are not the most patient you really want to go out there again make a statement just like we talked about with miami i think norvell is the right guy to make an offensive statement i think he's a guy that can get that team putting up points like they should be and again you got the slim reaper to tamari on terry that is one of the most elite connections in the ACC right now, especially when you just speak of raw talent and verticality that that Tamari Terry brings. 
um, you know, I expect that win, you know, easily uh, expect that win for FSU at two touchdowns. My second pick, Tim, is Clemson minus 33. I'm taking it. I I tend to stay away from anything close to four touchdowns, but, yeah. you know, they won 52-3 last year. It's first week of the season. They're going to get some points. The only way they don't hit this is if they just pull all their starters in, like, the second quarter and just run the ball the rest of the game. So, um, typically... Dabo is a guy who's going to leave everybody in there for at least a half, and I still think the second teamers are just so talented uh, that they're going to be able to put up some points. So I, I'm going to go Clemson minus 33. It's a lot of points against Wake. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of points. Big line, scary. So I, you know, I totally, uh, you know, respect that call that you're making there. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm going to stay away from it. My last ACC line I'm going to go with is Duke plus 20 versus ND. Uh, you know, I think Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, maybe just have a, a couple too many question marks on the offensive side of the ball, as well as Tommy Reese first game calling plays. I think there's going to be a lot of learning on the job going on there, um, which is normal for young coordinators. Um, and, you know, I really see the other side of that being, okay, you've got Cutcliffe, the grizzled old vet, stepping back with the clipboard over his mouth, calling plays again. Chase Bryce ready to go out there and, and you know show people that he's just not a backup. He's a guy that can go in and lead a, a decent ACC program uh, to a good year. So when I see that that plus twenty, I I can't see that. You know Notre Dame I think is going to have a hard time finding its offensive footing in this game, um, and I think Duke will do just enough to keep it within you know that twenty point limit. So expect a fourteen to ten point game. Uh, totally expect Notre Dame to win, just not by 20 points. So th- that's going to be my lock on that one. Yeah, I wanted to go there, um, but it just kind of went back to, am I just not putting enough value into the talent that Notre Dame has? Sure. And that is what drove me away from it and led me to another one that was certainly a risk. Uh, but I'm going to pick Western Kentucky to cover an 11.5-point spread against uh, against Louisville. Um, I like them to keep the game close. I don't. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I think they certainly have a shot, uh, but I don't think this game is going to be super high scoring. At least uh, from what we're used to seeing from Louisville, and I think uh, that plays into the Hilltoppers' favor. So, um, I like Western Kentucky to cover. That's my final ACC pick of the week. Tim, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us who your random pick is? Yeah, in my random pick, I went really really random. Um... You know, I went down and looking in the south, you see all those cool games um, between teams in the Sun Belt and in the CUSA that are playing. And for me, one that stuck out was South Alabama plus eight and a half versus Tulane. We just saw South Alabama go into Southern Miss and have a pretty good game on offense and and really took it to a decent Golden Eagles team on the road. And and really, how much does on the road mean, you know, nowadays when there's no fans? But, uh, you know, I still think it's worth something. But you talk about an eight and a half uh, underdog there versus a two-lane program that hasn't played a game yet. Um, And I see that as easy money in my mind. Um, you know, you've got Trotter who looked really good at quarterback for South Alabama and Carlos Davis who tutted the rock really well. Um, I think they're going to do just enough to get to lane. I actually think they'll win that game. Um, but if you're looking at that spread at eight and a half, I think they cover that easily. Um, so South Alabama to me, plus eight and a half seems to be a good play if you're looking into locking up some cash. 
the game I'm going with, and I mean no offense to my friends in the great state of Iowa. I, you know, Iowa's a very underrated state, I feel like, across the U.S., unless you live in Iowa. Iowa is kind of like a a mini Texas. You know, they're very proud of everything they do. Their state fair is fantastic. You know, they've got tremendous amounts of corn, you know, just livestock everywhere. They they do it big. If they do something, they do it big in Iowa. But my friends up in Ames, they just they 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 disappoint when they shouldn't. And right. they've got Louisiana coming into town, and that doesn't sound like a big deal. But Louisiana returns one of the most highest powered offenses in the country. Yeah, and they're an eleven and a half point dog. So. I'm going to pick Louisiana in that game. I think they're going to keep it close. I think they have a chance to upset Iowa State. Iowa State is one of those teams who, um, you know, different sport, but I picked uh, their basketball team to be in the Final Four two years in a row, and I think they never got past the second round. So (laughs) I've I've kind of held a grudge against the old Cyclones ever since then. And, you know, their football team has had some success here over the last couple of years, but... You know, I, I I saw that. I was like, you know, a high-powered offense, first game of the season, you know, road trip, wasn't supposed to play. You know, this is a proven game for Louisiana. So I think they'll be playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, not sure if there's going to be fans in the stands or not. I know they had initially planned for 20,000, but there's a pretty – I think Iowa is like the hot spot right now in the U.S. for COVID-19. So um, I think they might have back, backtracked that a bit, but we'll see what happens. I like Louisiana to uh, to take that uh, from a spread standpoint. So that was our first doing line segment picks of the week of the 2020 football season. And Tim, before we wrap up, I just want to say how happy I am again that we're going to actually get ACC football this week. We've got the NFL kicking off. It's starting to feel kind of real to me. You know, the last two weeks still haven't felt, like Labor Day weekend just felt different. Nothing feels normal right now. I still don't think it's quite normal because you've got two of the, you know, big conferences in college football that aren't playing. So it's still going to be kind of weird. Not going to be fans in the stands. You're going to see cardboard cutouts maybe, but football's football. So glad it's back. I'll take it any way I can get it. You know, never look a gift horse in the mouth and... That's all I expected this year. I mean, I came into the season not expecting any football, so the fact that we're talking about three major conferences playing, we're talking about these South Alabamas and Tulane's and and Louisiana's, as you mentioned, which I'll never get used to the fact that they're not going by UL Lafayette anymore. I don't know how that goes. I don't know if you're a you know a directional school, if you will, of Louisiana, and all of a sudden decide that you're going to be called Louisiana now. Um, you know, that's a total power move, and I respect the hell out of it. Um, but the fact that we're talking about these games in general just gets me all grades of excited. And I just cannot wait to sit down this Saturday and not move off the couch. Unless, of course, dadding is needed and, and I will always sacrifice for my children. But, Justin, this return to normalcy is going to feel so good. And make no mistake, all the games that we've watched at this point and that I've watched at this point have just made me feel awesome. So any sort of normalcy I can get in a world that feels like it's been turned upside down is much appreciated. And finally, we got the ACC kicking off. And even though our Hokies aren't playing, 
Um, we'll be back at that next week, and you know I could not be more excited to go out there and watch some football. So that's our show. We're Trouder, Chowder, we're Trouder, we're Chowder, Trouder. and Grits. Be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and just hit that subscribe button when you see this podcast. Leave us a five star review. Uh, Tim, anything else our uh, our fine listeners should do? Maybe just spread the word a little bit. Yeah, spread the word. Interact with us on Twitter. We love talking to you guys. You know, and it's been at least last year on college football Saturdays, especially. You guys were super into it. We loved Thursday it. Thursday night's oh, going to be lit. Flor- or the Miami game. Yeah. Come oh, oh we yeah. Want to see you then? Twitter, uh, Twitter interaction will be great for that. Anytime the canes come out, our Twitter fingers get burning up, and that's you know what other way would you have it? So please just interact with us, talk to us. Spread the news, subscribe, do everything you can uh, to help us out here. We certainly appreciate it. And again, we see it reflected in the numbers, so we know you guys are doing it. Um, and, and we couldn't be more appreciative. But yeah, it's football time, man. It's football time. All right, so that's our show. We'll be back next week. It is it's robbery week next week. Virginia it Tech, is. UVA. Enjoy the football this week. Take it in and uh, brace yourself because next week's going to be a big one. See you guys right. later. Winner's coming. <laughs> <laughs>